Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. 4.30 in the morning is an odd, odd, strange time. There are many days when I uh, leave my house and it is just deserted. There's there's nobody. I, I could drive the whole way to work and not see one other car. And then there are mornings like this morning where 4.30 a.m. might as well have been 4.30 p.m. Oh. The main road outside of my street, I don't, if there was a fire and everybody was leaving North Oshawa, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I must have had like 20 cars go past me before I could cross over. Hmm. It's very strange. wonder, I don't know, maybe with uh, that power outage on the go yesterday, if a few people decided they were going to hike it or drive in. Yeah. And uh, and leave extra early, not knowing exactly what time they need to get in there. Yeah, I mean, perhaps it, I don't know. Yeah, no, it could very well be, but uh, yeah, just very odd. Yeah, and and just people walking in general out yeah. and about, riding their bikes. Yeah, I've seen a I've seen a lot of active people, and uh, and 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 the kind of the night crawlers of people that are just yeah. kind of out there roaming around. That do you think what what the hell are you up to? I've got a weird thing on my street where um, there's a guy who parks his truck on my street, but doesn't seem to live on the street. Like I see him walking to his vehicle. Well, the first time I saw it, I thought, where the hell is he coming from? And what what's this? Is he scouting to do something? That first thought we always have is some someone's up to something something no good, right? Um, and then I realized later on when I saw him in the afternoon park and go back to his, to wherever he was going. I was like, okay, this is a, this is a regular thing. There was a, a guy for a while, um, who used to scare the hell out of me because I'd walk out of the house and my head would be down. I'd be looking at my keys and all of a sudden I'd hear hello and it would just startle oh, the, wow. And he would be walking his dog like down the sidewalk in yeah. front of my place. Just keep moving, dude. <laughs> I'm not out to make friends at 4.30 in the morning. I'm not out to make friends at 4.30 in the afternoon. Anyhow, yeah, it is strange. Uh, welcome to Rock Mornings. Your pal is Craig and Lucky. Yet another hot day and uh, the weekend not looking great for Thanksgiving. And of no. course, we were planning on uh, <laughs> deep frying a bird outdoors. I don't know how that's going to work. Oh, but right now, plans of getting a tent outside at one point, yeah, right? That's all, that's all been changed. Yeah, I was, I was told... Uh, that's not happening. Mm. So I said, okay, boss. <laughs> You're not putting my family outside. Which is, but because at the point when I was looking at that idea, because we're having like 24 people and our house is not big. So we're like, well, where the hell are we going to put everybody? And it's so I measured off our deck and it was uh, like eight feet wide by like 33 feet long. And I started investigating into outdoor tents because you can get them customized. And the places I called, the smallest width was like ten feet, so gotcha. it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked anyhow. But uh, at that point, when I was looking, it was still saying it was going to be twenty two, twenty three, and sunny. Mm. So I thought, all right, well, we can eat outside because we don't do dinner; we do like a late lunch. Gotcha. So uh, anyhow, that got kiboshed rather quickly, and so inside we're going to be, which I guess is a good idea now because it's looking like it's going to be twelve. Although it only says thirty percent chance of shower, so who knows? Even if it's just cloudy, we can still. Deep fry the bird outside. Oh, yeah. Just avoid the rain a little bit. But, yeah, the weekend is not looking good. Uh, by Friday, the rain is supposed to arrive and basically on and off right through until Tuesday of next week. Do you own one of those big turkey deep fryers? No. So my um, 
my uh, oldest son's girlfriend's father does. Okay. So they're coming up from Windsor, so he's going to bring it along. Ah, gotcha. And this seems to be his uh, his area of expertise. Yeah. Because I, I, I've heard great things about the deep-fried bird. Mm. I've seen terrible things. Oh, I won't be involved. When it comes to the deep-fried bird. So because there's 24 of us, and that's this big bucket, I think, holds a max of a 14-pound bird. Uh, we're gonna do one bird. I'm gonna do one bird inside with the stuffing in the bird. I'll gotcha. roast it, and then he'll do that. And so we'll have a couple of ten pounders going. But um, and I was concerned at first because I thought, oh, we're just gonna have a the deep fried turkey, which I am very excited to try, mm. and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, I love the stuffing in the bird. Yes, and you can't, of course, do that in the deep fryer. So uh, I was a little concerned about just roasting my stuffing because uh, stuffing is a long-held Venn tradition. Oh. I'm very proud of our stuffing. Right. And so uh, my grandfather taught it to my dad. My dad taught it to me. And uh, so it's now my job to... Uh, so much so, stuffing was so important to the Vens that every Christmas or Thanksgiving when my father would come up, it was his job to dry out the bread and cut up the onion. Really? Oh, that was his department. Okay. So uh, now it's all on me. But, uh, yes, I was very concerned about it. And I know there are people who say you should not stuff the bird because of contaminant and such. But uh, Mm -hmm. I've been eating this turkey and stuffing in the bird my entire life, and I've Never gotten sick from it, knock on wood. Yeah. Now that Bobby's gone, 24 you people. You screwed up, kid. 24 people lining up for the bathroom will not be good. <laughs> I might not need a tent. I might need a porta potty. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I was so excited about the announcement of a movie. The hottest nighttime soap opera minxes of the 80s are gathering to star in a movie together. Oh. It's sort of like the expendables for, I guess, women your dad or grandpa used to fantasize about. In this movie will include Lonnie Anderson from WKRP, Morgan Fairchild from Falcon Crest. Okay. Linda Gray from Dallas, Donna Mills from Knott's Landing. Nicolette Sheridan from Knott's Landing, and she was in Desperate Housewives as well. I can say uh, of all five of those, I've pleasured myself before. (laughs) 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 Linda Gray never made my list, okay, but I certainly spent a lot of time with Morgan Fairchild. Right. This movie is going to be called Ladies of the 80s, A Diva Christmas. Oh, my goodness. What? Yes. All these fine... Oh, is it like a women's network? I think so. Right. Uh, all these gilfs actresses will reunite <laughs> oh, to film the final Christmas episode of their long-running soap opera. Another name from decades ago is Christopher Atkins from the Blue Lagoon. He'll show up in this movie as well. All right. 80s Diva Christmas. I am so aboard. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. My machine is going to get broken with all the pausing. Mm. Yeah. Although, uh, a long-standing question, much like going way back to Gilligan's Island with um, the two, uh, Mary, uh, Mary Ann and Ginger. Were you a Mary Ann or Ginger guy? When it came to WKRP, were you a, a Bailey or Jennifer? And uh, as much as Jennifer was, of course, beautiful, but it was beautiful in that 
staple of being blonde and blue eyed and big boobs. Right. Bailey was girl next door smoking hot. Gotcha. You knew there was a smoke show going on there. <laughs> but she just, you know, she was very apple pie. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. So there you go. Well, well, well. <laughs> something, something for you to watch the W Network again. Oh my! Get excited Can for you that. Imagine that is going to be good, something. Good luck with all of that. <laughs> I am going to need Doctor Downer after this <laughs> for the carpal tunnel. Charmin, the toilet paper company, they spent five years, five years redesigning. The toilet paper perforations. What, really? Imagine being a scientist on that job. <laughs> what did you do today? Uh, I tried squares instead of <laughs> little circular perforations. Five years. Uh, Charmin says they get a lot of complaints about toilet paper not tearing cleanly. Well, if you got a couple of plies, mm. sometimes it, it, if it doesn't rip off as both plies come in, I can see that. Yeah, but they actually, people actually complained. So, you know, all of us who say, I don't have, I have no time. Right. I got no time. Uh huh. But there are people who have time to get online and complain to Charmin. Right. Well, there's people who have a lot of time on their hands. And, and as you're right, the ones who say they don't usually have more. And, and the the time to complain about everything and write email after email. Yeah. Right. And, and, and go above and beyond. Just getting to the first level isn't enough. You gotta go, go to the managers. There was a time, and it was a better time, I think, where something would uh, upset you, and you would have to go and grab a piece of paper and a pen. Right. And write a note. Yes. Then go and find the address of uh-huh. the place you want to complain to. Fold that, put it in an envelope, go get a stamp. Yes. Go to the post box. By the time you had done all that, you'd forgotten what had upset you so much. Right. But well. now we just lean over on the toilet with our phone and complain right from there. <laughs> well, and there was a time someone had to actually receive that mail, open it. Get back to you. <laughs> look at it, and then throw it in the garbage. <laughs> Instead now, we have... I, and in some of them, I can't even be bothered to open before I delete. They just, <laughs> they yeah. just go straight to delete. I remember Maria and I, this is early on when we were dating. It's probably the only reason I would have even bothered doing this because I was trying to get a leg over, but we, she found a watch she wanted and it was at, but it was only available at Yorkdale. Gotcha. And of course we were living out in Brampton at the time. And so. We, like, got in the car one day, and this is back, okay, so back then in Brampton, you didn't even have the 410. You had Heart Lake Road, mm. and it took you down to the 401. So it was, like, even a, an exercise to get to the 401. Right. So, you know, so we go to this whole effort of going to Yorkdale Mall to buy this watch, and they don't have the watch. <laughs> How did she find out that they had it at Yorkdale? She must have sought in Flyer or something. Because you can't, you couldn't Google. No, no. <laughs> she, the inventory at that point. She must have sought in the newspaper or a flyer, and she right. thought it was this beautiful watch, and it was only available there. So they had either sold out or they didn't have it. Well, she was beside herself. <laughs> so we we go home, and she writes a letter. She's so mad. Again, said. I gotta find out who the hell at Hudson Bay I gotta complain to. Right. She writes this letter, she mails it, and literally by the time she got a response, and she did, 
She completely forgot. She didn't even remember she had wanted the watch. <laughs> that was a different time. <laughs> I don't know if that... And probably that trip to Yorkdale didn't get me a leg over because she was so upset she didn't get the True, watch. right, yes. Had she gotten the watch, I would have got my watch. <laughs> well, the one good thing, you were still very early in the relationship. Because if that were to happen now, she'd be mad at you because <laughs> yeah. the watch wouldn't be available. You're right. It would have been my fault. <laughs> you made this happen. That's right. If you had driven faster, <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't have plans on Tuesday, That's right. then we could have gotten it and they would have still been here. Yeah. So, Charmin, back to the toilet paper, they figured out <laughs> that the uh, uneven tearing was because the line was straight, but people were pulling from many different angles. Gotcha. Yes. Well, okay. We're, we're in a panic to get that toilet paper. I see. Yes. And, and the tear. Like, how do you, you, do you do you tear straight down? Right. Or do you rip across? So what they did is on the redesign that again took five years, and they just announced that they've they've got their results and it's ready to go. They now have what's called the smooth tear, and instead of a straight line, it's a wavy perforation. All right. It means that each piece is no longer a square, which is a significant change. The smooth tear will debut this month in their ultra soft rolls. Okay. And it'll probably be now like 99.99 for <laughs> because every now and then you'll see toilet paper go on sale and you'll get like six rolls for $5. It'll be like a savings of 12 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, how is poop wipe so expensive? Well, hey, listen, at one point we couldn't get a hold of it, right? It's oh, true. But you don't have to worry about perforations because don't you just wrap the entire roll around your hand like a, <laughs> like a cast before you wipe back there? I go through an entire roll in one city. You mummify? Oh, yeah. I have. Yeah. The city of Oshawa has had to come in and <laughs> unclog my sewer pipes because of the damage I've caused with all the toilet paper. Yes, I, I have an issue. <laughs> I got a lot of issues, but that's one of them. I got problems down there. And now... You know, it never occurred to me with people who have problems with the tear. But for some, the tear involves holding the roll mm. while you tear off what you need. So basically, the first couple of pieces that you're taking mm. have already been touched by someone else before you touch them to your tush. Someone... You have to hold... Oh, I guess you do. Yes. Some do. Yeah. Others go for a really quick rip. And right. uh, and see if they can get the rip happening before they spill the whole roll down onto the floor. I'll tell you, this is something that's very true about me because our toilet roll is to the right. I sometimes sit and take that toilet roll off and hold it in my hand like a football because the constant twisting to the right to get so much <laughs> toilet paper throws my back out, oh, causes me goodness. hip, causes me hip problems. <laughs> I have spent a, a lot of this career of mine being criticized for the lack of hours that I put into a day when it right. comes to working. Uh -huh. And I rejoice in that. Yes. You know, we all make our decisions in life and we do what we do. And I'm glad that I found a career that not only do I love, but that I literally only have to put like a real 
solid hour in every day. I think, <laughs> but maybe the prize gig of all time is the Speaker of the House of Commons here in Canada, where mm. I think they work about two and a half weeks a year, and he's pulling in now close to 300K. Not a bad job. Well, add into that the residences that come along with it, right? The apartment. A- apartment in Parliament or on Parliament Hill. Which I've been in, by the way. Oh, have Very you? nice. Oh, oh, shocking. Yes. I had dinner. It was gorgeous. How the hell did you end up in the House of Commons apartment having dinner? Uh, well, I, when I was at Queen's, I studied politics. Oh, here we go. And uh, the <laughs> MP for Kingston at the time, Peter Milliken, was the Speaker of the House, the Speaker of the House of Commons. Okay. And so he invited my class to come on up, uh, get a tour of the House of Commons, and uh, took us for dinner in the Speaker's house. The Speaker's uh, uh, apartment. Next thing you knew, you were pantless. <laughs> <laughs> it was all the days after that. <laughs> Did you know they have uh, chains? And uh, Next thing I know, I'm spread out right, on the lawn. That's right. <laughs> the tradition of dragging the speaker to the chair actually happens in the back rooms. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long-held tradition. Uh, no, a very lovely uh, spot, uh, obviously. Good meal. Wasn't big on the, uh, pump, the butternut squash soup. Oh, did you get that again? Oh, God. Everywhere you Just go. Just horrible. That's what I mean. I've had it everywhere and then still hate yeah. the butternut squash what soup. What else was served? Uh, I don't remember what the main was. I remember not liking the butternut squash soup so much. That's all I remember. <laughs> Throwing um, a fit. I remember the wine was good. And that's probably why I can't remember the rest of it. Right. But nevertheless, yes, a uh, very nice spot. And, of course, like the, the chef, the service, and all of that, too, all, all comes with it. Does it really? Yeah. yeah. And so for those of us not in the know, I guess the speaker is just basically there to keep decorum in the house, right? Well, the speaker is first an MP. They're, right. they're elected. Right. And, uh, and yes, they, they keep the decorum, but they are also kind of the housekeeper of the house in charge of, of guests who come. And that's where the last one that they wrote it got into hot water. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so that's why they have that quarters and that spot there is to entertain guests of the House of Commons as well. Oh, okay. It's not just up to the MPs to do that or the prime minister to do that. And it's not just the governor general uh, does uh, host dignitaries as well and functions at their place but yeah the the top heads of parliament the governor general the prime minister the leader of the opposition Pierre Polyev and the speaker all get residences as part of their deal well, I'm glad my taxes are helping out oh yeah so so if, if Pierre Polyev and, and Justin Trudeau decided to drop the gloves and go at center rice I guess he gets in there like a referee is that how that works well I mean really it's more like being a kindergarten teacher okay when you look at what question period is I mean you, there's a lot of shouting and he's just he's basically given a list of who's uh, gonna speak and he uh, calls them to speak and that's the the, the crux of what he does and also shuts other people up who are yelling shame, shame and that kind of thing. And and he polices the rules of parliament, of which there are many, most of them outdated. And so this is what pays a man 274000 K a a year. Right. Yeah. It's wow. a great gig. Politics is the best. Mm. I mean, really, it's the only career I can think of where you don't have to know anything right. to get in. It's a, you know, you, you gotta run, you gotta win. You gotta start with a popularity contest, 
and you gotta shake a lot of hands, kiss a lot of babies, and sometimes some little backroom deals as well in order sure. to get people to vote for you or, or drum up the support because you got, and, and this is where politics gets a little sketchy is because you've got to get funding. Right. You've mm. got to get donations. So you've got to go around scratching people's backs and, 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 and pleading and begging for money and donations for our finances so that you can actually run your campaign before you get in there. Yeah. It seems to me, and it's interesting when you see uh, politicians, again, so many of them ha- have really no experience doing anything else. I mean, you can look at Pierre Polyev, who never held a job, Justin Trudeau, who was just a drama teacher. Right. And then they, they get to these positions of power, and then we we turn to them and expect them to have answers to everything. And we, you know, they go to great restaurants. The chairs are pulled out for them. They're treated like they're some sort of royalty. Most of them don't know which end of an axe to use. Mm. And yet they all of a sudden, once they get voted in, we deem them to be some sort of magician who can solve the problems. Well, and, he, and, and when you look at cabinet ministers, there's a perfect example. Like all of a sudden, one day, you're the minister for mining. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you're claustrophobic. Like you, you, it just it doesn't doesn't tend to make a lot of sense. I mean, they usually pick someone who's either if they don't have background in the area, they're at least from a mining town. Right. But it's not always the case. But I mean, as much as you know, the average person will look at a hundred and eighty grand or two hundred grand and say, "Whew, that's incredible." You know, there are top people from the private sector who look at that. You know, if you want to solve the food crisis mm. and you want to get Galen Weston's help in doing that, he's not going to become an MP <laughs> right. and take a $15 million a year pay cut to help right. out, right? He doesn't need your apartment at the House of Commons. Exactly. He's got a nicer one just next door. Yeah, yeah, true. And even though we joke about them only uh, working a couple of weeks a year, which, of course, is an exaggeration. But they did just come off of how many weeks of summer break? Well, it was, well see, the MPs got, the MP, MPs, I think, were in before. The MPPs of the legislature in Ontario, remember, there's all different levels of government we have, just got off their 15-week summer break. <laughs> Seems reasonable. Before they get their fall break, because don't forget, the old, their Christmas break starts December 15th and goes until a end of February. Lucky, are you a man who likes to wash your bananas? Pardon me? You wash your banana? Uh, I wash my personal banana. <laughs> For you. On a regular basis. There is uh, something going online that uh, is telling us now, before you eat a banana, you should wash it. Why? Well, because I guess the uh, bacteria that could be on the outside of it will still get on your hands and then possibly into your mouth. Now, at first when I read this, I thought, well, that's ridiculous. But then it goes on to say you should also be washing things like pineapples and avocado. And I thought, well, that's kind of true. I do wash an avocado before I cut into it. Rinse it off? Yeah, but my thinking has always been, well, because I'm cutting into it, if there's anything on the outside skin, the knife might take it into the pulp. Okay. Um, Pineapple is a little tougher to wash. And painful. Yeah. Uh, They say you should wash your onions. Now, I mean, I do take the skin off the onions, and I do give the onion a wash. Melons. Yeah, melons, oranges. Um, I don't... Well, I hope you wash your melons. I'm a regular... (laughs) Because <laughs> your melons are growing. They want to wash. Especially the undersides. Yeah, so just a, a consideration to wash your banana before you uh, really? feel it, need it. 
Yeah, I would. Uh, I wouldn't consider that. I'm not a real banana guy, um, but I wouldn't consider washing a peel before I peel it off. Stop masking. You like a banana. Like I don't. But it, it, it's much like you know. I don't wash the wrapper of a Gorilla bar when I have that. True. Or or any other product. Remember back when we were all insane and washing everything you know, down, you know, wiping everything down. <laughs> yeah. Leaving packages outdoors for days. Right. Well, I mean, we had we had reason to to to, to panic at that point, I guess, or at least to. To, for the extra safety concerns, we didn't know what the hell we were dealing with. Yeah. Now that we know, we don't. But yeah. I, I, the same reason goes for the banana for me. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I'd start uh, washing the banana. Also, because usually, I, I, I want to believe that before I consume any food with my hands, I usually wash my hands. Mm. Now. Okay, if I wash my hands and then I peel the banana, then whatever is on the banana is now back on my hands. Right. I say just avoid the bananas. Avoid all fruit. Right. Seems like we only get sick from, like, produce. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Nobody got sick from a fudgesicle. <laughs> Show me one person who got some bacteria off of a bag of Doritos. It's never happened. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.